everyone welcome back to a bonus episode of the thing about wildlife called reflections and we did this at the end of season 1 and now i'm back doing it again for season 2 with the lovely dr krishna anujan uh, you may remember her as a guest from season 1 where she spoke a lot about plants and her love for forest ecosystems and this time she came back as a guest co-host to reflect upon everything that has Uh, been discussed in this past year on the podcast we really got into a bunch of those topics we spoke about what bits stood out for us the most and everything that we think we could do better and that we ought to be covering in the future i hope you enjoy listening into our conversation and considering we had a lot to talk about i'm going to stop this bit of introduction and get right to it Hey Krishna, or should I say, Doctor Krishna, which is uh, <laughs> which is the update we have for you from the last year in season one when Krishna Anujan was our PhD student guest, and now she is Doctor Krishna Anujan, who has since done a crazy amount of work, and she's here today as a guest co-host, which I'm very very excited about. So hi Krishna. Welcome Hi, back. Hi, Ishika. <laughs> Hi, Ishika. This is so exciting to be back here on the thing about wildlife. Uh, I had such a lovely conversation last year, but um, but also nice to t- talk to you this time with so many more uh, people that you've talked to, and um, I don't know. Honestly, it's really nice to just have a conversation with you, uh, and I've always enjoyed chatting with you. So, yay! Thanks for thanks for inviting me here. it's i i can't think of a single conversation i have had with you that cho- that wasn't just insanely fun and energetic and full of ideas so i just knew you were the best person to call and say come talk about season 2 with me <laughs> <laughs> same same you yeah, this is this is a relationship based on like mutual love uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and i'm also really excited to have someone to chat about season 2 uh because like you know season 1 was uh, 12 whole episodes that aksha and i did together and it was really great to have someone to bounce ideas off of and uh even in our closing episode last year we kind of had our own reflections but this time i thought it would be also really fun to have you come on board as somebody who wasn't involved in the production of the episodes but has just listened to all of them and i thought it would be really cool to also know what that was like for you as a listener for me and uh, see how different the perspectives are there so i think this will be fun yeah yeah i'm looking forward to this do you want yeah. to start off yes let's do that so okay we had an amazing lineup this season i just had such a blast producing these episodes and a lot of them we recorded back to back and the whole philosophy behind season 2 was to try and make quicker snappier episodes because in season 1 we had these really long biographical episodes some of them went well over an hour in fact i remember our conversation with reena our initial recording was so long we ended up splitting it into two uh, separate episodes and i realized that there were also a lot of people we also got a lot of feedback where some folks said you know we loved listening in and we loved the topics and but sometimes they got a bit too long well 
there are some people who enjoy long podcasts and listening to episodes that just go on and really go into the details of things i realize there's also a lot of people who listen to podcasts regularly who enjoy quick bits of content and i thought you know let's let's do that you know we have so many stories that so many people have to share and maybe we can zero in on some snappy ones that we can have and put together for the season initially i started off very ambitious and i was like let's have 10 minute episodes and uh, that <laughs> but I, as soon as i started talking to people there were so many stories and nuances even if we were just unpacking a single story so we slowly if you notice the episodes went from being about 15 or 20 minutes long to being a good 40 minutes long <laughs> But yeah, towards the end, you know, I thought I'm not going to control this too much. I'm not going to edit stuff out because there's still important stories that should be shared. Yeah, so it was just such a fun journey for me to talk to so many folks, a lot of whom were just starting out in the field. And I think they also had some very important things to say. So, yeah, it was great. Yeah, and I completely agree. I mean, having listened to both seasons, I think there's... I think they nicely complement each other where uh, the season 1 is about a larger uh, like a you know deeper uh, kind of or more uh, I f- I think it didn't focus so much on the content as much as the as the reflections of of uh, people having a masked experience uh, over a long time uh, whereas uh, which means the the audience that would would be more uh, excited about it would also be a slightly different crowd whereas this was uh, more specific more direct and uh, maybe more relevant so uh, for for people who want specific bits of information about uh, the wildlife field in india uh, and both are valid points of information right they're really important things to know um, so yeah i think i i was I I also want to say congratulations because it's difficult like the second season of things I feel are really difficult when the first seasons of things look really great you know you you so you start off with this idea of the the pilot and and uh and you're so married to that specific form that it takes and it takes courage to uh to pivot into maybe something slightly different and uh and i think you pulled it off amazingly congratulations ashika <laughs> oh thanks yeah. krishna that means so much coming from you but also you know that i'm kind the kind of person who's just always got a whole bunch of ideas and sometimes i don't know which one to tackle so even when you know before we started with season 1 we did think a lot about okay what do we want the format to be like do we want this to be a long form podcast do we not want it to be a long form and we took the decision for season 1 that no we don't want to censor stories we want to have really dig deep but i think season 2 gave me the opportunity to explore some of those other ideas and see whether those ideas would have worked as well and i think i loved the fact that we had that autonomy and i had that freedom to just experiment a little bit but definitely i was quite scared going into this uh because i was also doing it alone and um but i'm really glad it worked and i think i also discovered some really interesting things about a lot of our listeners because many people have been dming us or sending shooting off an email and thank you so much for everyone who's done that you know it's always so great to listen to uh, to hear from a listener whether it's good bad whatever and in fact we'll come to some critiques as well because a lot of people have 
but some people have also come up and said you know why we should address this and you did and i really appreciate that kind of feedback as well um so some listeners have told me you know that since these were shorter episodes they actually ended up binging episodes uh the same way you would on netflix where you would say okay i'm not going to commit to watching a movie but you'll watch three episodes of a show instead so it seemed like the same thing was happening with this season which was a very interesting insight for me yeah that's pretty interesting that that it is possible there it's i also wonder how like that that feeds into how we intake media these days and i remember your reflection from last uh season that uh people don't do don't read a lot these days that reading is becoming an outdated form i also wonder if the if the you know long form one and a half hour kind of media that that requires you to commit to that kind of engagement is also not the most popular currently yeah <laughs> it's it's really interesting to see um how did you feel what what's qualitatively different for you from a long form conversation versus a snappy 15 20 minutes bit so initially when i started out i was really concerned that the content is not going to be as meaningful as meaty um and also for the longer form episodes a lot more research would go into the episodes so beforehand you know we talked to the guest we look up a lot more about the work that they've done previously you know we had a lot more preparation in that sense going into it because we wanted to ensure that we didn't miss anything in these episodes it wasn't about you know there wasn't that worry about missing detail i think the idea was to find something that the person i was interviewing cared deeply about and give them the opportunity to explore that story or that event in complete detail so for example the second episode um on the thing about pulpuli with titir you know that episode so titir is actually somebody who works with primates and she's uh, just starting out she did her masters in arunachal with the white cheek macaque and now she's working with bonnet macaques but i wanted to talk about her specific experience in looking after this one captive elephant because she brought it up once in a conversation and she had this insane spark in her eye and you could just see the joy that she had while she was sharing this story and you could just tell that it was tip of the iceberg and she had a lot more to share and she probably didn't have the opportunity to talk about it very often and i think that's true for so many of us right i think we've amassed like you were saying a lot of experience whether it's over a long time or even short bursts of experience that youngsters who've just gotten into the field have started collecting i think you can have very short lived experiences which are very meaningful so i think for me in terms of content and the quality of content this was interesting for me because i got to ask those specific questions about just one or two things and i think it was the feedback was also really nice and i think the reason the conversations were so easy and fun as well as because i think a lot of the guests who we had on the podcast were equally excited to share some of their stories so i think that way that was for me the major difference so maybe less preparation in terms of the research aspect but a little more of getting a sense of what this person does what this person has done before and what are they excited to talk about that's that's so interesting that didn't and i i felt that too that it didn't none of the episodes like for example uh, misha's episode on 
thinking about education and uh, using birds as a system for education or Mrunal's episode where that went really deep about like people and nature relations. I think that did, that you were able to capture these conversations without compromising on the depth, but by focusing on that, that uh, like being very clever about picking that very specific thing that you would be able to go deeply about. Yeah, I think that was a huge strength here. Yeah. And I also have to say that I'm just so thankful that a lot, everyone who came onto the uh, podcast this season, you know, just accepted every question I threw their way and answered it with, with answered all of them with such grace. Because I know for a fact that for more than half of the people on that list for this season, I've asked them some really challenging questions in the end just to be, I, I just played devil's advocate when they weren't expecting it. Or And I know I was a bit of an ass there for some, to some people, but they still did such a beautiful job sharing their stories and allowing like and just being vulnerable with me and I truly appreciate it so it's so nice that everyone who came on especially like people like Niharika, Rinal of course like you were saying uh, Chayanth who you know was just so brutally honest in the whole process of learning things making mistakes being self-aware it's really nice to also see that a lot of young people are so empathetic, so conscious of ethics, uh, so introspective and reflective from the get-go. And they, they were able to answer some of those questions I threw at them. Even Ishan, Ayushi, you know, these are guys who are just still very new to the field, but they, they just amazed me by the depth of thought that went into a lot of their answers that I threw at them with zero preparation or warning. <laughs> so... Yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> 100%. I completely agree. I I think maybe do you want to talk a little bit about the challenging questions that were that came up during this? Because you mentioned it and yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah, what was your what were what were the things you were hesitant to talk about that you yeah. thought went well? I think even the very first episode, it started off on a slightly somber note, I would say, because we spoke about forest fires and a pretty big event in that entire area that affected a lot of biodiversity. And I think it uh, it was a pretty dark cloud, also very literally for a lot of the people there and the researchers who work there. And we spoke a lot about just the consequences of things like oil mining in these areas, right? And Neharika, who's just such a beautiful, sweet person and so genuine, so loving. I asked her right at the end because one of her family members works for the very oil company with which this happened, this accident happened. And I know she's also very vocal about conservation issues in that area. And she gets actively upset about these things and she wants to make a difference. She doesn't just do research there. She is very vocal. So yeah, so I asked her how she reconciles that and how she navigates that at home where, you know, her immediate family works for a company that she's fighting a conservation battle with. Um, and I think it was very insightful to hear from her about what that's been like for her 
and similarly with Titir, you know, after a whole recording of gushing over this, um, like this really intelligent, sweet elephant that was brought up in captivity, I, I, you know, I kind of threw her under the bus and I asked her what she thinks about the ethics of keeping animals in captivity and whether we should be doing it and about zoos in general and yeah, but I think some of these kind of questions, they, they managed to answer really well. Anyone's listening and they don't know what they said, you can go back to the episode and listen to, uh, to how they managed to answer these. I, and I completely agree. I think, I think there was, uh, those discussions were also, uh, I mean, I reflected on those discussions, after both Niharika's and um, uh, actually Mrinal's also and Titir's as well. Because I think I think they did speak about, and this is something we don't necessarily engage with every day. That uh, that our journeys into this are historical. There's there's history. There's you know there's background to either there's you know uh, a lot of privilege or these or say things that we don't necessarily agree with now in our current states like animals in captivity or uh, working for an oil company. Uh, where where our backgrounds come from is at some point i think we all have to reckon with it and reconcile where we stand with those ideas and and figure out who we are in relation to those those histories yeah. uh and uh, honestly i think that's a very tough uh tough call like where to draw those boundaries and it, it was very inspiring to hear all of these stories about how how people are individually uh, uh reconciling those like either historical pasts or like or even in their own uh, own lives um and i find that very inspiring as a as a direction that that the conservation community is taking that that we think of ourselves as individuals and uh, that have contributed to many of these things have been part of many of the 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 evils we are fighting <laughs> and uh, yeah. and yeah. what is and where do we place ourselves yeah so true and it's uh, because that is the harsh reality of pretty much anyone who's doing research or conservation at this point right i mean we all come from a place of privilege and there even those who don't come from a place of privilege if they are working for the environment one way or the other we almost never hear from them and so I feel like at least we're moving in the right direction a little bit, wherein we're able to acknowledge the fact that yes, privilege exists. This is where we are coming from. This is why we've had these opportunities. This is why we've been able to get to where we are. And I think as long as we're no longer in denial about that, we can start to be more inclusive, try to you know strip off some of those biases. But it's a very, very long journey. Like I don't think we're anywhere close to that. You know, of the 25 people we've had on the podcast so far, you know, everybody has come from some form of privilege or the other, if not extreme privilege. So I think it's it's good to at least see that people are aware of it and they are trying to uh, rid themselves of those biases. Um, so that's good. And I think it's especially good to see that in younger generations of wildlifers. Yeah, that's that's true. It's a it's an iterative process, yeah. I suppose. <laughs> Do you want to pivot a little bit and talk about what the just again going back to your experience of the season? What was it like hosting this alone, and uh, what's the 
what's the what <laughs> about uh, how this changed form for you? Um, I think it was initially, like I was saying, really daunting because I love uh, working with the co-host in season one. And I think Akshay and I had so much fun with it from brainstorming who we should invite onto the podcast to the research parts and figuring out what kind of questions we want to ask. And even some of our most spontaneous tangents that we would go off on. Uh, during the recording and we had like a great rapport and I was really worried that I would not be able to do justice uh, without Aksha and um, but at the same time I was very clear that I was not done with this I really felt like barely scratched the surface there are hundreds of people in this field and I want to be able to talk to as many as possible over time so I was very sure that I wanted to continue it and I think another reason for why I thought let's try with a shorter format was to make it a little more feasible a little more manageable a little more realistic but that was in all honesty all in theory I think the amount of hours that go into each episode remained the same regardless but um it was still really fun because I got to have wonderful one-on-one -on -one conversations and everyone was so lovely and they were, you know, opened up to me and we, it, it was great. I think, you know, it was a very different experience for sure. And especially in the first episode, I think I was a little worried about what the end product would sound like. And I was, you know, I had a lot of irrational thoughts about, oh, will people get tired of just hearing only my voice on the podcast? Like, you know, you end up with so many things going on in your head. No, I think as soon as that first recording ended, I just knew it was going to be fun. Yeah. And I think I, I also sent the raw recording to Akshay and I was like, please be objective. What do you think of this? And, uh, and yeah, he was lovely. He was so supportive. So I think it was great and definitely feeling a lot better about it now. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to do more stuff later and maybe have you on board again as a guest co-host because this is so much fun already. <laughs> Chatting is always fun with you, Ishika. <laughs> the, I guess that is your uh, changing shape of your history. <laughs> but what about for you as a listener? What was it like to have two hosts versus one? I honestly, it was very uh, smooth to listen to this. And I think, uh, I think you did a great job of, uh, uh, of, letting the uh, i mean both of you have been great at this throughout i think of letting the uh, letting the guest so basically i think both <laughs> yeah. of you have been really great at letting the guest lead the conversation and it's been it's been very focused on their stories throughout right and i think i think that quality has continued so it's as a listener i derived as much joy out of uh, this episode these episodes as I did uh, last season. And uh, and I think I also could feel this. I, I felt that everyone was really comfortable chatting with you. You know, there was, they were, uh, they were happy to uh, open up to all of the questions you were asking. I don't think your hesitation about asking challenging questions was based on any reality. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, yeah, I think that's right. I think Akshay is probably more comfortable asking those questions in his. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He 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 was always the bad cop for sure. And <laughs> yeah. I, I very conveniently let him play that role and get it out of his system. So yeah. <laughs> I missed that. Yeah, I, I missed having that person to pawn off the difficult questions on too. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. 
but uh, i think you played a very realistic bad cop <laughs> yeah yeah i was um i was also something you mentioned earlier was also something that i noticed that how how uh, the episodes got longer as the season progressed and uh, more comfortable chatting at length about things and honestly as a listener i really appreciated that and i appreciate that you didn't stop uh, conversations if they were getting really long and um, i think chayan's episode possibly was one of the longer ones yeah. and i really enjoyed that that deep conversation about figuring out where one is most effective where one's skills are most effective and uh, the idea of learning on the job and as you mentioned making mistakes all of which uh, i i guess learning happens in so many different ways experiences happen in diverse ways and i think i think it uh, i think giving space for all of that in in the season was very important it's it's nice that you brought up uh, chance episode because as you know the two of us were batchmates and he's the only person from my batch of master students all of whom are doing such cool things but he's the only one i've had on the podcast so far and the reason for that again like titil you know this is not what he does all the time but i thought that this would be a really interesting aspect of what he does which he doesn't consider to ever be part of his job or professional life but it's just something that he does and i really wanted to get him to talk about it and i've known him for so many years now and we have you know we're such good friends and we talk about all and sundry but you never really get into the in depth thoughts of somebody even if you're really close to them for a lot of these kind of topics so for me i feel like it was also a selfish episode where i really got to ask him these questions and know a lot more about what he does which in all of these years of knowing him you know i had no idea he had given it so much thought and he had so much insight into the whole process and just how many varied experiences he's had you know you only kind of know some of the more eventful things that happen as a friend so i think that was also really nice for me for a lot of there were a lot of people in the season who uh, i've known in some capacity or the other for a while but even if they're not friends or very close paths cross it's a small circle of people i've always known little bits of a lot of these guys but i got to unpack what they think about every day so much more so i think that was just so lovely and even just the diversity of topics i managed to talk to people about was amazing and i was just going over all of the topics recently and i couldn't believe how much people are doing these days you know it's it's truly awe inspiring to see the different corners in which people have wandered off into doing such good meaningful work and just fascinating stuff i mean we spoke about sleeping lizards with nitya and uh, you know as he warmed his way into season 2 because he was so excited about this new paper that he had written that's that's also so infectious that energy he has where you know he's just so excited about discovering new bits of animal behavior and ecology that i just i knew that no i have to have you back on and we need to talk about this because it's so different from everything we spoke about last season and we also spoke to laboni and deepika and their artists and designers and can also argue that they've done more for conservation in many ways because they've actually put content out there reached a lot of people that researchers otherwise can't so i think it was just so 
nice to talk to a lot of people who are doing things in very very different ways i feel like i learned a lot talking to everybody on this season so that was that was really wonderful yeah and you're absolutely right i think the the people are going uh, it was very clear from the season how people are going into so many conceptual niches that are so diverse like those corners that you mentioned that as you mentioned in your introduction there's something in it for everybody uh, and anyone can fall in love with it so uh, so i think that that core idea was very uh, it came through really well just by the breadth of of experiences and and concepts that were covered here like building camera traps that is that is so incredible as a like, you know tech for conservation that's uh we don't think about that often i feel yeah um, yeah i was also thinking like there's the conceptual corners diversity but there's also the geographical corners diversity right that's uh that was also very uh very clear in this so there were people working you know across uh the country there were people working in urban ecosystems so there's stories from urban ecosystems there were stories from the northeast there were stories from um uh, the trans himalayas it was uh, it was it covered a lot of geographical corners as well which is yeah so that was very exciting as well for me i think to listen to uh, various uh, geographies but it also got me thinking and i think this is also related to munib's episode about uh, again a conversation that we both have once had about remote conservation and what remoteness means anymore and where 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 do we stand with you know changing connectivity across all of these geographies where we where the previous generation of ecologists have had to deal with one set of problems uh, which is about not having connectivity and uh, then how do we bridge how do we uh, do research and conservation in that landscape but what we're dealing with is like a very quick change Uh, in many of these landscapes with well connected networks and uh, where where do we stand with how do we how do we deal with that that's our generation's problem i feel yeah <laughs> just the context in which this work is happening you could see that difference again that's probably another difference between the two seasons where pretty much everyone we had on last time last year spoke about just this that remoteness how you just there's a lot of isolation there's you don't know who else is doing similar work and you don't know how to connect your research to some applied work on ground and what how to make sense of it all but everyone here is a lot more connected to the people and i think there's also that clear you know you can see that trend where a lot of people now are acknowledging the fact that wildlife and human beings are not two separate entities and i think a lot more people are actively happily voluntarily working with people and in some way or the other and because i think we realize now especially in an indian context that you need that right this the idea of a very protectionist sort of uh, conservation is not something that works in our context where people and wildlife are everywhere making the most of every little bit of space and it's the same issues you know we spoke about elephants in assam last season we spoke about elephants in south india in uh, you know tamil nadu and karnataka and the western ghats and you know the issues are the same when you look at it from a people's perspective um, you know like even and there are again each issue is very nuanced 
So even if you take the example of elephants, I feel like I'm rambling here, but I have so many ideas suddenly coming to me. Um, but yeah, elephants are the most represented species on the podcast so far, right? We had Nishant talking about them last season. We had Pulpuli, who was a captive elephant, uh, but she was the first elephant of this season. Uh, very soon after that, we had Parvati talking to us about how elephants use TS uh, kits. And in the last episode, Tejaswini also spoke about how camera traps are helping her understand how elephants are dealing with train collisions and how there's a lot of people work involved there as well. So, but even though we've spoken about elephants four separate times in different contexts, you know, the topics have been so different and the reach that that information has had in each site. Again, geographies are pretty different, but um, each topic has been so different, you know, and the way in which people have had connectivity, have been able to connect with people, have been able to communicate their results and make some use of that resource that's going into all of it. I think that has changed. And you can also see the difference between what Nishant was able to do 10, 10 to 20 years ago to what um, say Parvati is doing right now in Assam as we speak. So yeah, I think that's also very true. That came up came across as well. And very practically, I, I think, you know, I guess you recorded with Tanmay while he was in the Andamans. <laughs> and uh, possibly with Munib while he was on field as well. Yeah. And those very specific things would not have been possible many years ago. And I think I remember from Tanmay's episode where he was talking about his relationship with, uh, with the people he works with. And those weren't things that were, I think, on our minds when we started off. Like, it was about wildlife. It is, a, it is rarely about the people that those those shifts in perspective, I think, uh, also came across. I think those many of your guests also followed those trajectories um, of being inspired by nature, but then then reflecting about what this means. I think you know, a video call from the Andamans would have been unthinkable when I was there uh, four years ago, and. Four years doesn't seem like such a long time, but so much more network connectivity has come in in those in this short period of time. And I know for a fact that when I used to leave the mainland and go to the islands, I would just inform everybody that you probably are just not going to be able to contact me at all. Don't take it personally if I don't get back to you because I probably literally can't. And again, I think after working in Great Nick, where... I, I couldn't download a PDF if I tried, you know, even at the most high network zone of the island, uh, even if I was standing right next to a router or something like that, you know, it was still impossible to do little things like that in just 2017, 2018. And I think just one or two years after that, when Tanma had gone there for some work, he sent me a bunch of pictures and he sent me some photos from what was my field site. And I just assumed he was back. And I thought, oh, okay, are you back in Bangalore? And, you know, how is field? And he said, no, I'm still here. And I said, no, of course you're not. Don't, why are you fooling me? Like, do you just not want to meet me? Because I couldn't believe that he was able to send me high resolution images from that island. Yeah, and he managed to do this with a cyclone warning, which usually means no network, no electricity, no nothing. But he still managed to do this. So, 
that that says a lot about the kinds of development coming into a lot of these places and in a sense it seems trivial but it's not right it just it changes the landscape of how we interact with each other and how the community how how it stays connected how we are able to exchange ideas over uh, even while we are on field rather than having to be and it combats that isolation that you just mentioned um and or changes the way that we deal with it um yeah that's that was very interesting for me also listening to everybody that <laughs> so true and i think i'm i'm still getting used to now uh when i've just started doing my field work in assam again it's it's weird for me to be in the field and still be able to whatsapp people open up my social media you know be able to scroll and have internet connectivity it's a very surreal feeling it it doesn't fully make sense because it's it's not what i'm used to having access to when i'm away in the field doing work and but i think it's also very interesting for the communities that you work with because i think at a time where things were less connected um even information transfer between people was a lot less and now if one event happens in a village uh, say something related to wildlife you know everyone can whatsapp each other people put up pictures on facebook the whole community knows about it immediately so that's also very interesting about how information can spread within a community and how accessible things are even for them and i think and for us to be able to communicate freely with people at our field sites i think that's just so great and to keep those relationships going even when you return from field i think that's just so beautiful to be able to call these people up and talk to them even when you're far away you know it's it's lovely completely agree i very resonate with that feeling <laughs> <laughs> so shall we maybe uh, switch gears a bit and talk about some of the things that stood out from the episodes in particular off the top of my head uh, i think this was something that i did not expect at all so that's that so that's coming to me first that runal sang for us in an episode that was that was beautiful that that uh, a wildlife event uh, or like uh, an idea was uh, something that she learned in song and then wanted to share with us that was uh, really beautiful some specific things that in individual episodes that stood out for me were uh, possibly also uh, Ishan's journey like as you mentioned uh, that you have a very specific uh, you you started out working with each other and then being able to talk about like him his uh, him spreading his wings so that that idea of uh, and what he's bringing into into um, into this field uh the another thing i think that stood out was jobint because i think uh that experience of being um and this is on the age diversity and like diversity of this that that how do you start off into uh, getting into wildlife uh, it, you can start off at any point uh, as suppose that is what those contrasts represented for me uh and uh, what the challenges are on either side of that um yeah those were some specific things that i can think of what 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 was it for you so actually before i say that i think that's so interesting the, the fact that we actually had 
both Jovan and Ishan talking about how they started off in this field, but they did it at such different points in their life. I don't think I fully registered that contrast in my head as the, even though I did the interviews, I didn't realize that. And um, yeah, you're right. It, it was, they were two very, very different journeys, but such, uh, but also very, I think, optimistic. It leaves me very optimistic hearing about both and knowing that there are many ways in which this can happen um, and of course both of them you know again acknowledge the fact that they had the right people at the right time supporting them and that goes a long way and I know not everybody has that opportunity but um, I guess it's also about finding ways and avenues in which you can pursue something you're really passionate about and figure out if it's doable if it's not and figuring out how to get those support systems in place even if they're not already there so I think that was nice as well in terms of stuff that stood out for me one thing that I've just hands down loved asking everybody is about where they grew up how that affected their work the career path they chose and I think for me that will always be lovely I just really enjoy knowing people's backstories and how they ended up where they are so I uh, and everyone's story is so different so I think that's really nice and I think it's also very nice to know that there can be very very specific events in our lives from when we were kids or even you know impressionable young adults uh, you know where a little thing here and there a comment somebody makes somebody pointing out a tree to you uh, you know even little things can go a long way and can even dictate what you end up doing so I think that's just so incredible to think that something so simple can alter the course of your career but in terms of topics there were some things that stood out for me one was about how like you were saying there is a contrast in terms of the generations of wildlifers who have come in and those the more pioneering generations who kind of started off this entire envi environmentalism movement in India and it's it's very recent they're all still with us and around and still sharing their stories and still doing good work um, because I don't think anyone really retires in this field um, but to see that from back then where people used to really struggle to convince maybe family or make ends meet in a career like this when there was no opportunity, when you were genuinely creating opportunities for yourself and doing work truly, purely out of passion to a point where now it isn't so rare. Like it's not such a far-fetched stream to be a part of. It's becoming borderline mainstream. You know, if you say that you work with nature or wildlife, it doesn't leave as many open mouths as it used to. I think it's a topic that a lot more people are familiar with now. So they may still be fuzzy about what that actually means and what it, you know, what it actually entails, what you actually do on your day-to-day. -day. But the fact that you work with wildlife or that you can study how to do that or go to school to learn about wildlife biology, these are not such far-fetched concepts anymore. But there still seems to be a bit of that lag between reality and storytelling. I feel like each generation's reality is changing for sure, but the telling of those tales always comes in a few years later after they've undergone that experience, right? So I think it's very interesting that now our realities are very different from what it was like 30 years ago, but the stories we're sharing are still about what we went through five years ago. So I think I, it just leaves me wondering whether at any point we will be where we can tell these stories in real time as they're happening for people who are entering the field to know exactly what to expect as they're getting into it. That, that was something that 
I'll be mulling over for a while. Perhaps we're still processing these changes and that's, that's why there's a lag. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> I truly uh, understand what you're saying about the that it is what it is like mainstream now that it is there are enough courses there's enough opportunities for you to formally engage with this rather than uh having to you know like laterally enter through just gaining experience and figure out what you what you should know purely on the job um so that's that's a huge change i think for all of us but also, I'm going to wear my Akshay hat and say there's a counterfactual here, which is what Misha got into that uh, who uh, who is getting into this and but specifically in terms of women and what the safety for women looks like and what sorts of wildlife jobs are, are acceptable for women. And I remember Ashwini and uh, Sneha wrote for Sanctuary Asia recently about herpetology, yeah. women in herpetology and the the issues that women continue to face in a field that is so dominated by men and uh, and even not just not purely by men in the field, but by social perceptions mm -hmm. and the, that we are embedded in a society that is deeply unequal that and how that plays into how how women are uh, integrating into this field. Yeah, I was wondering uh, about that as well. And again, this connects back to, I think, Priya Tamar's uh, episode last year, last season, where she was talking about like formalizing these ideas of how to be safe on field and making sure that that information is passed on um, really clearly and uh, and consistently to anybody who's working which are really important steps, I think, for making sure that that the mainstream and the the opening up happens for everybody in and in, across all fields. Yeah, I've been I've also been I've been thinking about those aspects as well. And who are we leaving out when something becomes mainstream? Also, coming back to what you were saying about women's safety, you know, I think that also came out a lot. And like you were saying, Nisha and I delved into this a bit where especially from you know your teenage years and stuff when you're getting in, starting to get interested in this field there are so many young girls who just kind of get left out because a women are not given the same freedoms that men are and at at the household level itself even houses that have one male child and one female child you often see the female child not having as much freedom to move out and do things and explore and travel as much as the male does and there are of course the reasons for it are very layered and deeply entrenched in the kind of societies we live in but that also means that they miss out on so many opportunities you know even things like these entrance exams and interviews to get into a lot of courses that teach ecology and wildlife Every place you go to will ask you about past experiences. What are the volunteering positions you've held before? What are the internships you've done? And there is this clear trend where a lot of young male candidates have a lot on their CV because from a very young age, they were allowed to run wild and free. They were allowed to chase opportunities uh, without too much scrutiny, without too many restrictions, uh, without them having to really go out of their way to convince their family that this is what they want to do. They're kind of just 
given that allowance. Of course, this is a generalization. I'm sure a lot of boys have also had that trouble. But on average, you know, you do see that girls have to really put themselves out there. And sometimes there is that delay of a year or two. And they probably start getting into volunteering and doing internships a little later because they're a little older you know it's harder to say no to them maybe after a certain point I think a lot of girls also have tremendous grit and perseverance and if they really want to do something they find a way eventually but there is that baseline injustice there right where just the same opportunities are not completely grasped by all the genders at this in at the same capacity at the same way so And of course, there are very real world reasons for it as well. I mean, things can be dicey, it can be unsafe in a lot of places. There are field sites which are very, very far out of the comfort zone of any parent to send their young girl to. And I think that's definitely something we really need to be acknowledging in terms of why are we still, why are we still seeing this gender gap? How can we make situations better for girls to be safer, to be out there? just as much as guys are because it does make a difference you know we also reflected so much on those formative experiences that you have when you're young and it's it's unfair if girls are missing out on those opportunities that's definitely true uh and i hope that i hope that maybe over the next as you said uh a few uh, i i can't remember which episode you reflected this on like 15 years down the line maybe you talk to somebody and and you've seen that this gap is like less that would be a really great outcome <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i really really hope so um i have a uh, i have a question for you who do you think the um do you think the audience has changed over time uh across your seasons mm. or within um like who you speaking to you mean for me in terms of who i think i'm reaching out to or in terms of those who are actually tuning in perhaps both okay i think it's always been those who are slowly getting into the field or have some interest within wildlife and ecology and they don't quite know how to put their finger on it they don't quite know what to do with that interest they don't know what it actually means or what the scope is and i think that has always kind of been the motivation because i think about when i was on my late teen years and just to say oh i i want to work at wildlife but i had no clue what it meant you know i was reading books that were written in the 20th century where the whole wildlife scene was so far removed from our reality today so i think for me it was just a series of surprises as in when i figured out oh okay i have to do research oh okay i have to also sit at a desk and raise money and do fundraising and write reports you know like each one of these were just one surprise after the other as i kind of figured this stuff out and i just i always wanted to be able to put some of that reality out there and say that this is the entire expanse so i think in terms of the audience it's always that has always been part of the target audience to have people who are interested in this field are a little unsure about what it means uh, or they're just getting started and they don't know the true extent of it yet or even those who you know still feel that oh, if you have to work with wildlife you have to go to the continent of africa and there's nothing here to do you know like the fact i think that was also something that i learned only after once i got into 
my masters and things like that just how much work there is to do in india the diversity we have in the country um the biodiversity that is there here it's it's mind boggling but it's not what you grow up watching on tv you all you think that you need to go to the savannas of africa or you need to go to the amazon rainforest or the andes to see some wildlife but it's all right here so i think the idea was to get this to people who don't have that information yet and i think in season 1 the target audience was a, you know the idea was to get it to a lot of young people but i think over time i've realized that both in terms of who i'm telling the stories for or helping tell the stories for and those who are tuning in are a very broad a bunch of people you know from very young to people who have either been in the field for ages or who are from a totally different field but much older than us that was something unexpected but really nice so i think over time we tried to just try to make sure that it's not a very academic content it's stuff that is reachable to pretty much anyone who's kind enough to tune in and you know lend us half an hour of their time or more to uh, listen to these stories so i think now i'm not so particular about who exactly i'm trying to reach i think the idea is to just tell interesting stories related to wildlife i think i've also realized that since it is not scientific in nature it's not heavy on academics or research or that sort of thing even those who are from the field who know the realities of the field are still enjoying listening in because they are getting to hear other people's stories i think they are able to relate to it or form opinions about it so i think that way it's uh, there has been a slight shift in who is listening in and who i'm creating this for I think young Ishika would be very happy having listened to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I hope so. I, I think she would have been a little smarter. <laughs> I think today today's Ishika would be more smart if <laughs> if younger Ishika knew some of the stuff going in. But yeah, better late than never. <laughs> Do you think there were some topics that we could have delved more into in this season? As a listener, did you find that something was missing or we cut a topic short perhaps the idea of i thought there was a lot of potential in that discussion about animals in captivity uh um about and this was again briefly uh, talked about in nishant's episode where both i think titir in this season and nishant in the last season the many elephant people that <laughs> uh talk that made an appearance there is there is a there's that question of how how each person deals with the question of animals in captivity and what is the place of say xc2 conservation at large in in the way we think about conservation today i think it could have been, it could have been possibly talked about a little bit more and i would have liked to hear it this is a selfish need <laughs> so also this is this is like a this is a question i think about a lot because i grew up in kerala and we we've had elephants uh, like temple elephants come home quite a bit and that was a huge part of my growing up and i don't know how to deal with it now <laughs> i just i ha- i don't have the tools to think about it i think and i would have liked some like some thoughts <laughs> the other thing i was thinking of was the maybe not specifically something that was talked about in the in the season but 
I noticed that many of us again know each other and we worked with each other uh, in many different capacities and we do refer like this is a close-knit community at times right? at, at its best it's a close-knit community and I feel at its worst a cult but uh, um, <laughs> but um, I think we do talk about say I'm very conscious, say for, I think a while ago, I, I mentioned Sneha and Ashwini wrote an article, but in fact, these are people I also know in personal capacities or I've hung out with on field. And these are people we then build these, uh, these become part of our professional network as well. And um, I think it is uh, to a person who might be listening to this, uh, uh, to Ishika, who was, uh, who was, say, not aware of how this world functions. I think those ideas of how we know each other and how we build these connections and how those, how Ishan met you and uh, started off, those, those key links, maybe, maybe it's worth for us to clarify a lot more. That's something else that I was thinking about. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's such an important point. And I think it's something we don't think about and we just take for granted. I think it would be actually really great to get a bunch of voices together and figure out why this may be and or maybe get insight into how they ended up being so well connected and just knowing a lot of people. And I think you put it so beautifully in the sense that we're on one end a tight-knit community and the other end a cult because it's so true. I feel like we have this shared religion of environmentalism uh, in so many ways. We keep saying it's a small world, it's a small community, but it's not so small anymore. It is a whole lot of people and um, I think there are some qualities of the community that enable a lot of this kind of networking, including the fact that most people are like very approachable, are uh, very passion driven. They are very excited to meet others who share their principles and goals and passions. And I think that integrally forms this immediate click and link when you meet others in the field. And perhaps you form an act, a slightly deeper bond from the very first time you meet somebody than you would were it any other kind of uh, profession or maybe a, a corporate setting. So maybe some of those things lay the foundation for this form of networking. But this is just right off the top of my head. I think, yeah, you're, you're so right. It would be nice to get a sense of why everyone thinks this happens or try to map out their journey and how they came to know so many people in the field. What, what did you think that could have been delved into more? So I think uh, one of the things that we spoke about, we started talking about was privilege, right? And I think it's very easy to say that we have privilege and acknowledge it and then just move forward, you know, just move past it, having acknowledged it. But I think what I would really like to do going forward is really get into the challenges of not having that privilege and addressing the points at which there are issues in the field where things are not always hunky-dory in the end. And while I want this to be a largely happy space, uh, you know, and I don't want to leave listeners depressed, I think that's also a very huge part of our realities because there are some really trying times in the field. And I think 
whether you come from a family of privilege or not there are some challenges in the field that are shared there are some which are felt more by some versus others and there are many things that we still don't talk about including things like caste so you know we've become comfortable talking about gender issues a lot more in pretty much every field but we're still very hesitant to talk about things like caste and how that deeply affects everything and how it is a huge advantage to a lot of people who are in our field you know which may helps them do research in some ways so i think some of these things i would like to really unpack like the true range of challenges that one could potentially encounter while getting started for example like for example with respect to ishan's episode you know his experience was largely positive he embarked on a bunch of different things and in one way or the other he did have some lows not everything he tried worked out but by and large it was a positive experience and he's in a great place now and i'm so so happy for him but that is not the typical journey there are many people who struggle a lot more than he did so i think i would have liked to delve into that a little bit more and get a few more voices on board for that and i'm hoping to do that eventually and i think also politics that would be really fun to tell you know really sink your teeth into i think it's a controversial topic which is hard to get a lot of people to open up about but yeah i think there are so many politics especially with respect to working with people and you know how do local politics local cultures play into the ecosystem of research and conservation how does that come to be and i think we've hit upon it a little bit with niharika with parvati with brunal with ayushi but i feel like we can unpack that more as well i i think that that would be very interesting and and it would be really worthwhile to understand those scales at which politics plays in in the way that we do research and conservation right it, it's as you mentioned as the local politics and in the day to day there's the local politics there's also the large scale policy that uh, affects why we do things it's so pervasive in in all the decisions that we make in every kind of uh, every kind of way and uh, that and again for me that was not something that was obvious at all when i started out so uh, that that i would have to think about people relations and how all of these things play into how i do it how i do what i do yeah i think that would be an exciting direction to take yeah i think this is also you know so much part of my wish list and i don't yet fully know how to tackle it and how to make that happen but yeah if anybody is listening in and has any ideas on what i should be doing and what's missing like please write to yeah. me and let me know but also quickly just speaking of those who written in with their comments and ideas i wanted to point out this one criticism which i resonated so much now in retrospect as a researcher i am still learning like i have and i very often let my personal biases creep into these episodes and i think I, since it's also not a scientific platform i have fun with being able to ask leading questions and being able to really put people in awkward situations sometimes or just ask questions which you may not usually ask in an entirely neutral environment um and i think one of those things i did is in munib's episode this time was when we were reflecting on things like the remoteness of things and connectivity and how tourism has gone up so much in ladakh in the past decade uh, which wasn't the case earlier 
that a lot more people are just in the landscape. You know, it's not as rare, as remote, as inaccessible. And it's also brought in a lot of developmental changes, a lot of infrastructural uh, additions to the area. It's changed the landscape a lot. And I think we discussed it in a more negative sort of a context where we said that this is problematic in many ways and we discussed how we need to be more conscious and one listener you know wrote to me and she sent me these really long messages and she's worked actively within tourism and they do very deeply environmentally conscious stuff and they and she pointed out how you know tourists have just as much of a right to be in a lot of these spaces as researchers do and a lot of researchers started out as tourists and that's where you first learn about wildlife where those interests develop and she's so right you know i think that that's something that we should really acknowledge and address and yeah i think that's another thing i would like to get into eventually just talking a lot more about what tourism is how it is being done in a lot of places the good the bad of it and i think um as people who feel very connected to a land especially if you've done research there or you've done some projects there you feel very protective of it you know you you don't want it to change ever you want it to stay as it was in that first vision of yours and i think that makes us very biased as people and we see any kind of change and we in- instinctively dislike it but i think it's also important to acknowledge that it's not necessarily bad and that there are so many people and stakeholders part of that system and it can actually be really good for a lot of people uh, especially if done right absolutely i think that's a that's a really important point i would like to reflect on that later as well because this whole idea of uh, the tourist researcher dichotomy uh, of that that researchers like to like to think i think but at the end of the day we're all extracting something from the landscape like whether it be fun or, or data uh, which then it's self serving at the end of it so like why why does it why are we on a moral high horse <laughs> so yeah <laughs> i feel like we've covered a lot of ground and i still feel like we have a lot more to talk about but I feel like all the conversations I've had with so many people this past year are just kind of swimming around in my brain, along with some ideas for news for upcoming seasons. But I think that's also the beauty of this field, right? I mean, even after having gone through so much, this season we managed to cover a little more diversity, have a little more inclusivity than last season. But there's still a lot more to do. There's a long way to go. we've still not covered every aspect of ecology we've still not gotten into every topic that we can discuss what are what are some of the topics you think should be a part of upcoming seasons this is this is i'm going to very self servingly and just where my heart is uh, kind of way say citizen science uh, yeah i think uh, i think i've been very inspired by citizen science in the last few years i think it's a uh, i think there's so much exciting stuff that's happening uh, globally and also very much in india uh, for many taxa and uh, in many different ways and i think it's been it's been like like the uh like the early ideas of like zoos or or animals in captivity that have inspired many people i think there is a boom in uh in people getting into uh, these fields through very clear engagements with citizen science i think that would be something exciting to explore yeah um 
yeah uh, what about you i have um, it's a long list in my head but uh, i think uh, I, i definitely agree with you in terms of citizen science i think it's just so cool and so incredible and so accessible you know i think the the true scope of citizen science is still something that we underestimate and we don't fully appreciate um because literally anybody can contribute to meaningful large science and all of this is going into things like understanding phenologies climate you know figuring out how species extinctions migrations there's so many offshoots of how you can use citizen science and i think that's so beautiful um it'll be great to look into that for sure um i think it will also be really fun to delve into different kinds of ecosystems i think we've spoken a lot about forests we've spoken a lot about the mountains the himalayas we've spoken about some of these hot spots like the western ghats and the islands a lot which has also led to us touching upon things like marine biology and some freshwater ecology but i feel like one thing we haven't fully touched upon is grasslands you know we very we spoken very little about that and that's such a huge part of the indian peninsula we have such cool stuff happening in the grasslands and they're also one of our most misunderstood underrepresented ecosystems um so yeah i think i'd really like to talk to a bunch of people who work in the grasslands and see what's happening in those spaces yeah it's i i completely agree where i'm so forest biased and uh, i had to check myself be an apologist for all these other fears that i uh, other ecosystems that need more attention <laughs> yeah and we all have a responsibility to be so somebody i you know uh, like a terrestrial ecologist would also call themselves a fish apologist because <laughs> because of because of known biases but yeah i think that's important i think the other the other thing i noticed was that there was a, there was very clearly uh, you know hypothesis based science and uh, and observation based you know the uh, the spectrum of and also like the additional human dimension there were there were all of those things covered but i was wondering if there's space to talk about evolution perhaps and that's something that was that as a process uh, doesn't get covered a lot in talking about ecology or wildlife which are more smaller time based things i think there's very exciting things happening uh, whether it's about like molecular evolution or uh, in the wet lab or or even like observational things that are happening on field yeah that would actually be very cool and just while you were saying that i realized that even my knowledge of exactly how projects that try to understand evolution better today i i i have a very fuzzy idea of what that's like i think that would be a real learning experience for me to talk to somebody doing this in real time now as well because we all grow up learning about the theory of evolution at least the bare basics of natural selection and it is that larger theory and then we kind of forget about it but i think there's a lot of cool stuff happening and in fact i, I think there's also a lot of people who are out there figuring out whether there's more to it than just the theory of natural selection and there are some new ideas coming up yeah that that would be very fun another uh, just category of things which i am uh, actually planning a whole season around this and keeping my fingers crossed that logistically i can make this happen but i really want to do a lot of long form interviews with 
field assistants who just get mentioned in passing and you have, and I have also had just some of the most incredible people on ground helping us without whom we simply could not do any research and they usually have so many richer experiences than we can ever have their knowledge goes and runs far far deeper than us their journeys are truly truly fascinating and I really want to be able to lend them voice on these episodes so I'm, I'm really hoping to have some non-English storytelling, a lot of long-form biographical stuff with people who are from the land working uh, for the land. More guest co-hosts like you, you know, just have a whole bunch of really, really cool folks coming on and sharing stories who haven't had a chance to do something like this before. I think that would be so great. And I think I would learn from it as well. Yeah, I think I think there's so much to explore for your next season, Ishika. It's so really, really <laughs> difficult to channel. <laughs> yeah, I think I think this is the uh, forever dilemma, you know. <laughs> but um, I think anyone who's listening, you know, if there's anything burning that you would like us to tackle, please just send me a message or an email. It can be a one-word email that says "Urban Ecology." Oh wait, that's two words, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and I'll I'll get the point, and I'll try to make it happen. But yeah, I think it's it's so great to have the opportunity to help tell some of these stories. Yeah, I think just knowing that all of these ideas are there are going to make me want to keep it going for a while. So fingers crossed. We want you to keep it going. <laughs> Anonymous listener. <laughs> but yeah, oh man, thanks so much for doing this, Krishna. This is so great. Um, thanks so much for uh, <laughs> having me on this this was this is really lovely reflecting on all of this with you uh, oh it's it's really fun I feel so pumped up right now because I also know that like me or somebody who's constantly you know jotting down ideas and wanting to do collaborative stuff and just says yes to every opportunity that comes over so it was just so wonderful to share this energy <laughs> and, yeah uh, yeah and uh, you, you've gotten me excited about doing more stuff. So, yeah. Yay. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I, I'm really happy that you're excited about like your next seasons. I think, I think my job here is done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. On that note, Dr. Krishna, thank you for being my guest co-host. My non-guest. <laughs> And uh, I will be very, uh, very honest. This was fairly good incentive for me to finish my PhD. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, was, I was, I decided that this was what I would do after for a bit. <laughs> Listen to all the episodes and talk to Ishika. <laughs> Perfect. And uh, I'm going to lull you into the sense of false security until you're done with all of these PhD obligations. And I'm going to have you back on to tell us more about it. Because I know we barely scratched that surface last season. So, can't wait. Sounds good. <laughs> Thanks, Ishika, for having me. This was so lovely. Thanks for putting together a great season for all of us. Thanks so much. Be back with more episodes.